Right, let's dive in. So, where are we? We're, uh, uh, we've spoken the last few weeks just kind of unpacking where we want to be and where we want to go. Uh, being the new year, and we're casting vision for, for what it is that we sense the Lord has for us as a church community. And in many ways, nothing's changed. It's not like, you know, oh, suddenly the vision was this, but now we're going here. It's not like that at all. But it is just a, a, a kind of a refining of the original kind of vision of what God has for us. And we want to be really specific. And so there are three things that we're going after. Uh, one is we want to grow. Numerically, we want to see more people uh, part of our church community. And it's not because of some uh, kind of, it's for the right reasons, okay? It's about uh, seeing more people's lives come into the fullness and glory of God and and uh, we can do so much more <laughs> with more people. Uh, and then secondly, we want to really see kingdom impact happen, not only inside the four walls, but outside the four walls. We want to see God's kingdom released in us and through us that would change the community around us. And then thirdly, uh, we're wanting and praying and we're going to be working towards uh, a building of our own, which would be tremendous in the future. And so they're really the, th the th kind of three things. And what we wanted to do is kind of uh, put it in the context of the first eight chapters of the book of Acts. As the early church came on the scene, Jesus has come, Jesus has died, Jesus has ro rose again. And he instructed to his uh, disciples, he said, wait for the promised gift of the Holy Spirit, which is coming. And you will receive the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses. And that's kind of where we've been. Uh, Leanne Gordon spoke last week and just did a stunning, stunning job. If you weren't here, please listen to it on our podcast about what church community looks like. And uh, I, I'm going to misquote it slightly, but one of, for me, the standout line was something like, uh, intentional relational community requires a vulnerability. And it requires us to be vulnerable and actually place ourselves in a position with other people and be honest and be, uh, be bold and courageous to be seen. And it's through being seen that God has the opportunity to actually work in our lives. And she did the most incredible picture when she brought a number of us to the front and she spoke clearly about how each uh, of the individuals had really impacted her life and spoken to her life. And I just love that. Uh, so the Holy Spirit came, empowered the disciples early, the early believers to be witnesses. The Holy Spirit gave them power and authority to go do the stuff, to go do the Jesus stuff, to go do the things, the very things that uh, they had seen Jesus and they'd actually had a go at doing because Jesus very much as part of uh, their apprenticeship to him, the rabbi, uh, practiced some of the things, all the things that actually that Jesus did. And it's where we pick up the story. We're in Acts chapter 3, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, an incredible healing that takes place, and uh, then we're going to delve into another passage a little bit later on. But if you've got your Bibles, uh, or you've got your phones, or if not, the words will come up on the screen. We're going to read it through this morning uh, together, and then we're just going to uh, draw out just a few things. So here we go. One day, uh, Peter and John, they were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, 
where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Incredible story of kingdom impact. Incredible story of how God's power came through the disciples and brought about physical healing for a man who had been like that since birth. Incredible uh, story. You can imagine the testimony and the story that went out as a result of it. Uh, just a question to ponder. Um, do, you think, uh, do you think if we had a few more healings go on inside the four walls that people outside the four walls would begin to take note? It's a yes, no kind of, it's a nod or a shake of the head. It's a course it would. course. If we began to see even more that we are already seeing, word would get out. People would become intrigued. And of course there would be the skeptics, but it would be amazing as, as we would be known as a church where miracles take place. Here are just a few things. First of all, the miracle happened on the way. It was on the way to the temple that the miracle took place. And I've shared this before. Um, it wasn't factored into their day. It wasn't like Peter and John woke up that morning unless they had some sort of prompting from the Holy Spirit, which does happen and can happen. They were just on their way. They were about their business. They were off to church, as it were, for, for prayer at three in the afternoon. And during that time, they encountered this man. Now, that's not to say that miracles can't happen by appointment. You know, we could meet up. You could come, you know, down to the office and we could pray for you and that would be great. Or we could uh, invite you, which we will do at the end of this service, to the front and we could pray for you. Or uh, I could visit you perhaps if you were sick at home or perhaps at the hospital and lay hands and pray for you. So that's like an appointment kind of basis and miracles do happen. But in this uh, story that we read about and many things that happen happen on the way and a question for us just to consider and ponder how many of us spend our days just simply moving from one thing to the next from one appointment or one commitment or what it is that we have to do or one class to another class or whatever it is, and we take no note of what God is doing in you and through you Oh, that we would be more attentive to the Holy Spirit and what God's doing. 
that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear what he's up to because he's setting us up each day. I really believe it. Each day there are moments, there's things, there's glimpses, there's things that he wants us to see and things that he wants us to respond. Um, a story, I, I, I've had two pretty incredible conversations with people um, in the sauna at uh, Carrick Leisure Centre. Now that sounds really dodgy, doesn't it? I just knew that it'd have some sort of response like that. Um, but uh, Chantelle and I and the family, we, we joined Carrick uh, Leisure Centre. It's a great deal, by the way. It's okay to publicise because it's all about Carrick Fergus and we love Carrick Fergus. 39 quid a month for classes, for swimming and the gym for the five of us. That's a no-brainer. Sign up. It could just change your life. Anyway, that's another sermon. So uh, there I was, uh, been to the gym or whatever, and then went to the, the steam room and the jacuzzi, and I'm in the sauna. These are two, one before Christmas, one after Christmas. And both times, it's like me and another fella, which is quite good, because if it was another female, that would be quite awkward. But we're in there, and both times, both people on separate occasions engaged in conversation with me, which I found really interesting. They began to ask me questions, and I was like, oh my goodness, God, this is one of the moments. This is one of those times. And the first one began to unpack their story and were incredibly vulnerable with me about their struggles. And I just kind of went along with it. Like, I was like, oh, mate, that must be really tough. And I'm thinking, when am I going to blow my cover and tell him what I do for a job? <laughs> You know, because that could be a game changer for this whole conversation. And, uh, and eventually uh, I, I did, and I recommended him to one of, the, one of the groups that happens in our building, but we don't actually run, which I thought would be appropriate. And this fella began to connect with this group. It's amazing. And there again, after Christmas, uh, another fella uh, just began to really open up. And I'm like, oh my goodness, isn't that amazing? Point of the story is join the gym, go to the sauna. <laughs> How many times in those places that we're with people that, that it just comes up and we have that moment and suddenly we need to tune in and go for it. The story, Peter and John, they're on their way to the temple and at that moment he, he asks, he's begging, he asks for money. And at that moment, they had the opportunity to respond. Remember, folks, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. Secondly, I think it's important that we look at the context of the man's circumstances. What do we know about him? Well, first of all, he's been like this since birth. Uh, he's taken to the same place every day. Bit sneaky, strategic place. Outside the gates of the temple, pretty good, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people may be kind of charitable people, but nonetheless good. That's how he earns his living, is from begging. He's got either good friends or acquaintances who are prepared to lift him and take him there. And he asks Peter and John for money, and he initiates the conversation, and he was the one asking for help. Now, I've wondered this. I wonder what would have happened had he not asked for help. You know, he, if he was there every single day, Peter and John very likely would have been there many times before. How come 
this didn't happen sooner? How come it happened then? And if you know, tell me, because we don't know. We just don't know. But it was interesting that it was in that moment that the man was the one asking for help. What we uh, love about our church community is that we are a generous people. And where there is need, we try to meet that need as best that we can. And when people uh, require help, it's an opportunity for us to be Christ-like in that moment. Thirdly, um, Peter and John, they gave what, uh, they gave what he had, uh, but it wasn't what was... Um, what was needed and sorry and it was what was needed I am very tired and I can't even read my notes (laughs) given the situation how does Peter and John respond it's mainly Peter he doesn't give the man what he's asking for the fellow's asking for money that's what he's doing that's what he's there for but actually he doesn't give him that because he doesn't have it but what he does give him completely changes his life And the first point really just to make on that is that we can't give what we ain't got. And we can apply that in so many ways. We can't give something if we don't have it. But what we do have, and we can give it, well, we better give it. And we talk sometimes in church about three T's. Time, treasure, and talent. Time is what we have that's available. Treasure are our financial resources or other material resources that we do have. And talent is the God-given abilities that God has given us. God is inviting us into a lifestyle of generosity that we would meet people's needs, that we would worship God, that it would be our offering to spend our time, our treasure and our talent to see the kingdom released and to see God moving in our lives and in the lives of others around us. Give what we have. Give out of what God has entrusted to us. Give because it's good for our hearts. Give to meet the need, and then give just cause, just to be generous. Sometimes we can respond in the wrong way in given situations. You know, have you ever come across a person who all they're looking for is for you to meet their needs for them. You know, the kind of person that fills your time and bleeds you dry by sorrowful woes and just want to pour it all out, but they have no intention of doing anything about their own issues. And we can meet that need by playing into their hands and just doing whatever they want from us us but that's not necessarily what they need what they probably need is a clear talking to which might not go it won't go very well but that's actually probably what's needed and so we can give can't we we can give to things and respond in the wrong way and sometimes we need to be wise uh, with what God has entrusted to us in this situation, you know, if Peter and John had silver and gold, they could have thrown money at him, like everyone did every day of this person's life. 
And sometimes, you know, we, that's, sometimes we do that, be it someone on the street, be it someone that we know. And that's good and that's kind. But in this particular situation, that wasn't the right thing that was needed. What was needed was restoration and healing. He didn't have the NHS service. He didn't have benefits. He had to rely on this. But by being healed, he had the ability to walk. And the ability to walk gave him the ability to work and actually provide an income for himself. Where are we? Are you whispering things? Oh, no, you're whispering things. Chantelle sometimes whispers things to me, and it sometimes puts me off kilter. And she's not even doing the whispering. It's, it's Philippa whispering to Sergi. <laughs> what are you telling him? What are you telling him? Is there anything interesting? No. The fourth thing is, it, through this testimony, through this story, brings glory to God. It's amazing as we read through the passage that we see this man's life completely, dramatically changed. And he instantly, through the overflow of his heart, begins to shout and jump and run and whatever it might be. And it brings glory to God. Jesus prayed, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I know sometimes we joke, don't we, about, oh yeah, when I get to heaven, I'll have new knees and I'll be able to hear properly and... Uh, I'll be able to see again properly without glasses and, and what have you. And it's like, that's true. That is true, by the way. We'll have, everything will be restored. That will be wonderful. But there's some physical God healing changes to be done this side of heaven. And from some of you who are nodding, I know you believe it. And I know you're with us. And I know there's some, that the jury's out, and it's just like, right, okay, here we go. If I'm honest, in the whole area of healing, I've probably said this before, I'm probably a half-empty kind of guy. Like, half-empty, half-full. There are some people that, I shouldn't say this, that I just... No, I not say that, that Paul, thank you, that... I, I'm, I verge more on, on being sceptical. Oh, yeah, God really did that. Oh, yeah, he wasn't ill in the first place. So, oh, yeah. That is my default position. And there's lots of you nodding, and I know who you are now, so you're in the same camp. And then there's some people who are like, no, Fip, I'm half full all the time. God's going to do it right here, right now. And I love it. And here's the thing. That's okay. Both are okay. The whole point of all of this is that we would be obedient and we would be faithful and we would at least give it a go. That's the summary. That's like my closing remarks. I've still got a bit in the middle, but I've jumped forward because I'm all over the show this morning. We've got to give it a go. If Jesus says you'll do even greater things than I, well, we have to be obedient to actually trying and actually seeing, does this thing actually really work? chance do you want to come on say yeah do you want to do that that'd be great
Um, Paul just asked me to share about something that I'd seen during the Christmas holidays. It was actually on social media, which I can be accused of being on too much. But I do, like, I follow things that I do believe are life-giving. Um, and there were, there's um, some worship leaders um, that I was following in America. Um, and it was um, this couple... Well, her name's Callie. She's a Bethel worship leader. And then Brian and Jen Johnson, who are worship leaders. And I saw this thing during the Christmas holidays, and it basically said, yesterday, Andrew and Callie's two-year-old stopped breathing. The doctors pronounced her dead. She needs a miracle. Please pray. We believe in the resurrection power of Jesus. And then for a few days, they were really praying for this little girl, Olive. And, you know, they had a hashtag, wake up, Olive. And I was following this and reading some of the comments on some of the posts. And some people were saying, yes, like, we really believe this. We're going to pray. Like, this little girl wasn't on a life support machine. She was dead in the morgue, like she'd been found dead. So some people were like, yes, we believe God can raise from the dead. We believe in resurrection power and we're going to pray. And then other people were saying, you know, you're not grieving. This is terrible. What are you doing? And like people were almost arguing in the comments, which was really disturbing me because I thought this is an awful thing. So I was trying to like figure it all out in my own head, like what, you know, what would I do, all of this stuff. And after a few days, she didn't get raised from the dead, even though they were really praying and believing and worshiping together. And um, then one of the worship leaders, Jen, who's a good friend of this, posted this afterwards, and it really helped me to kind of understand the whole thing a little bit. So I just want to read it out and then share a couple of things. Yesterday, our community buried little Olive. The past two weeks have been at a loss for words. Four of the past five years, Brian and I have contended for life with someone on our team or family during the holidays. One lived, three died. It has been brutal. And this year with Olive, I was just angry. Not angry at God, but at the great loss for this family and another year of loss for our family at the holidays. But Andrew and Callie's faith and contending re revived a fire in our community and around the world. They are heroes. <sighs> the past two weeks have been terrible, yet we felt the nearness of the Holy Spirit through it all. We worship God for who he is together as a community. Not so he would raise her, but because he's worthy. We commanded life into her body. We watched our community around the clock be there for the family. Contend, worship, pray, bring food, clean, coordinate worship and prayer nights, worship leaders and musicians playing night after night. The worship times had glorious moments amidst the heartache. It lifted us above it all. God had resurrection power and we had faith. Why she didn't come back is a mystery and we surrender that to him and we continue to do what he said. Pray for the sick, raise the dead. When you go through trials, it produces faith. And each time after the fight, win or lose, we are more confident than ever of our miracle-working God, confident of the strength and power of church community who sacrificially love each other. No wonder the enemy wants you to hate the church. He knows how powerful it is. And lastly, confident of how worshipping through heartache changes you. This has been a loss for our community, but loss is temporary. We will spend eternity with Olive and the others we have temporarily lost. 
And more than the loss, what we've gained in our faith is stunning. What people around the world have gained in their faith is stunning. We haven't been shaken. We've been refined, refocused, and reinforced. It's clear what's important and petty stuff isn't. And we are bold. We don't care if people think we're crazy. Faith looks crazy until it happens. I'd rather be known for too much faith than not enough. So find a church community and dig in, number one. Invest, reach out, be there for people, love extravagantly. Number two, read your Bible. People die before their time sometimes. Jesus raised people from the dead who he had and told us to. If they don't come back or they don't get healed when you pray, keep praying. Never let what you don't see change how you pray. Three, to anyone who out there questions this, heaven is real and if you want to go, give your life to Jesus. Believe he died and rose again. It's all real and he's wonderful. All of we will see you soon, beautiful baby girl. Can't wait to play in heaven. We love you, Auntie Jen. So I just was so like impacted by that. And I don't I'm not saying every time someone dies where we believe we have to pray for them to be risen from the dead. I'm not saying we don't believe in suffering or sickness or we don't have a theology for that. But we read in the book of Acts that there were signs and wonders that Jesus commanded his disciples, go and pray for the sick, go and raise the dead. So we just want to listen to God. We want to be obedient. And if, you know, if a family's saying we want to pray for healing, we're going to stand with them and pray for healing. If someone is sick and they want to come here and stand and ask for God to heal them, we're going to cry out to God for that. We want to be known for having too much faith and having zero faith. So that probably sounds like an extreme story, and it is quite an extreme story, but like sometimes things need to provoke us. And I like what she's saying is get involved in church, read your Bible, and then be obedient. So we're not telling anyone what to do, but let's get stuck in as a church community. Let's stand beside one another and let's read the Bible and be open to the Holy Spirit and just listen to him along the way, the promptings of the day, and just say, okay, God, what are you asking me to do today? And maybe that's pray for the girl at the checkout who's sick or I don't know. So, yeah, just be open to God. That's what we're saying, I guess. Wonderful. Brilliant, chance. Thank you. Um, last point and then a little bit more. Testimony goes out to other people. That because of this one man's story, many, many other people's lives were changed. And uh, that's really clear and really, really obvious. And it leads us into jumping two chapters in, ahead. We read in Acts 5. Uh, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. All the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought those who were ill into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing those who were ill and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. The apostles performed many signs and wonders. And what I find interesting is it was those guys that did the healing 
the apostles. And uh, they quickly realize if we keep going like this, we're going to burn out. And if you jump to the next chapter, chapter 6, they actually appoint seven other people to actually help them in the Jesus stuff because they realize we can't do that. And actually a model that, that later went on and what we are very much about is it isn't about the apostles. It isn't about the staff or the ministry leaders. It's about all of us being empowered and all of us having the opportunity to lay hands on the sick and just pray that God would do the miracle. Who's up for it? Who's keen? Let's go. Um, we're going to have a go. First of all, question. Who does the healing? Is it Jesus or is it us? Question? I asked the exact question about three months ago. Who does the healing, Jesus or us? Hands up, Jesus. Hands up, us. Hands up if you didn't put your hand up. Who's doing the preaching right now? Jesus or me? Me. Who led the worship, Jesus or Sergi? Who does the healing, Jesus or us? Us. Get your head around it. It's in the book. It's in the book. We read it there in Acts 3. Peter and John healed the man. And you know what he said? Walk. That's all he said. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And so when we pray for people in this way, we don't pray a petitioning kind of prayer that says, God, would you come and would you heal such and such? Yes, we invite the person of the Holy Spirit, but we release healing in the name of Jesus. It's a, really, it's a real mind shift for many of us, actually. And if you're still a little confused, I'd love to chat to you about it. Or, please, just read. Read chapter 5, which we just read there. The apostles, disciples, performed signs and wonders. It wasn't Jesus performed signs once. Jesus had done his bit and he said, you're going to go and do even greater things and I'm going to be with the Father. But the Holy Spirit, whom I have promised, whom I will send you, will empower you and give you authority to do the stuff that I've been doing. Isn't that good? Isn't that exciting? Who's sick? Who would love, this is what we're going to do. I would love some people, we've done this before, to stand who you would like God to heal you physically of some kind of physical ailment. Could be a condition that you have, could be just something that's sore, it's recent, just anything. And you would like to put yourself in a position where you're asking 
for the kingdom to be released in you. Now, you can do that, or you can go on taking your medication. And we're not saying stop your medication. <laughs> Sorry, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, we're, of course we're not, absolutely not. That would be ridiculous and irresponsible. If you'd like God to do what he can do through us, then we would like you to stand in a moment. And then what I'd love us to do is go stand and go pray and see if he does any of us. It's so funny. I can read your faces beautifully. Though there are loads of you who are in, and there's some of you who are like, when's coffee? <laughs> and folks, during this time, see if you're uncomfortable with this. That's absolutely okay, and you, please feel free to go and get an early coffee. If you really uh, don't want to be a part of this, please, we do not want you to feel like that. But who would like prayer for something? If you do, just stand up. Wonderful. Anymore. Yes. Um, I just got a wee prompting during the worship, and this is really random, because I would far rather sit in that seat, and I didn't know what Paul was speaking about today. Um, but during the worship, I felt a really bad pain in my left shoulder and up the left-hand side of my neck. And I really felt that that was for someone this morning. And I was going to ask at the end if I could come up. And this is just confirmation for me that that. So if that is you, I would love to pray for you. And I will stand over here. Great. Um, is there anyone standing who has a sore left shoulder? Wonderful. There's your friend right there. Is there anyone else sitting that has a sore left shoulder? Okay. Okay, church, this is where we get to play. If you're part of our church, then open your eyes, look around you, and go where the Holy Spirit is prompting you. Introduce yourself if you don't know who it is. And do you know what I would really love? Is that people, if you've never done this before, ever, I would love it that you have a go. Be bold and be brave. Ask them, where does it hurt? What's wrong? So that's like the diagnosis bit. It's a bit like going to a doctor's. Say, this is it. And then it might be appropriate to lay hands on the bit or wherever it is. And just pray. Begin, just say, come Holy Spirit. And then just pray. And remember, speak to the condition. Those of us who are praying, just remember, pray with your eyes open. I know that might seem... Strange or unnatural or unusual, but you get to see what the Lord is doing. Guys, unless we go for it, it ain't never going to happen. We've got to be prepared to step out the boat and have a go. 
And that's all we're doing. Church, right now, if we're looking around, you're like, what on earth? We're just having a go. We're just being obedient. Lord, let your kingdom come. Release healing now. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, be well. And after a while, you might want to just have a wee conversation with them. And you may know straight away that there's some significant difference or improvement. Or you may not know until you see the doctor or go for a test or something like that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing.